Hello, Kyle. Hi, Melissa. It's June. It is June. We're actually, technically, it's almost like halfway through June. It is. And it's our 32nd podcast episode. It is. Very exciting. Smokes. We did take, we took a nice break at the end of May. I felt like that was good. But we're back at it. Absolutely. And we are very excited to have um, Steve Buck CCM CCE to talk with us today um, and and really just share his experience with COVID in his club, COVID in a small yeah. town, and transparency, which is I think the overriding word for this. And when you come when it when you think of crisis management, I think that's just a word that they go hand in hand. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, so, well, rather for good crisis management. <laughs> absolutely. But it's, it's important. His insight, you know, as a as a season manager, um, 10 months into a new club and, and what that means um, is great. And so we're very excited to have him there. But before uh, we wanted to queue up a couple of announcements, we've got some excited things coming up. Absolutely. Um, I will start things off by saying that all of CMA's fall programs and events will be going digital this year. Um, We'll be starting this off with um, the Membership and Marketing Summit on August 19th. That will be followed by the Leadership Legislative Conference September 9th through the 10th. Um, Then we have the Communications Summit later in September and the Mid-Management Conference in October. So those are four events that will be all conducted on an online platform. Um, There are fees associated with attending them, as there would be if you were attending in person, but these will bring a modified schedule and you can join them from anywhere. Um, Obviously, we are doing this to increase everyone's safety um, and still allow for the opportunity for all of our club management professionals to connect with their peers and allow them to gain access to ideas and best practices. Um, However, our BMI classes will be held in person at the different university campuses and clubs um, around the country. We've worked closely with the universities to ensure that those classes can still take place um, on site and making sure that safety measures and parameters are in place for attendees, staff, and presenters. If you are interested in seeing the full slate of our fall programs, please check out the calendar at cmaa.org. But before we get to summer, we have a great presentation by the Club Spa and Fitness Association. Their 2020 um, event is going to be a virtual conference coming up July 19th through the 22nd. The theme is Coming Together Going Forward, which really resonates, I think, right now. I think it's perfect. (laughs) It is. Uh, Registration is uh, slated to open on July 1st, and you can get more information at CFA association.com that's c-s-f-a-s-s-o-c-i-a-t-i-o-n.com you don't need two a's so you know that's csf association yep or go to cma.org and click on the csfa button (laughs) that might be a little easier might be a little easier (laughs) and so now let's you know roll with our feature interview with steve cool let me introduce our guest today, Steve Buck, CCM CCE, the GM COO of the Stock Farm Club in Hamilton, Montana. 
Steve served in the same role at Shady Canyon Golf Club from 2008 to 2019 at Diablo Country Club in Diablo, California from 2000 to 2008 and at Avondale Golf Club in Palm Desert, California from 1993 to 2000. He first joined CMA in 1995, earned his CCM designation in 2002, and his CCE in 2012. He is a past national board member of CMA and past president of the Golden State Chapter. Steve, thank you so much for being here with us today and being willing to share about with our members and listeners about your club's experience. So first, let's start with, a, with an easy question. How are you doing? Well, right now, I'm doing pretty well. Um, life is getting back to normal. Um, there's a few things that we're dealing with, but everyone's back to work. Uh, everyone's healthy. So that is, uh, in my books, very good. Absolutely. It is a blessing. Indeed. <laughs> so tell us about your club. You know, re reading in your bio, talking a little about, you know, you've got that California flair, and now you're in Montana. So tell us about the Stock Farm Club. Sure. Stock Farm Club is a, it's a private club in the Rocky Mountains in the small town of Hamilton, Montana. It uh, was originally developed by Charles Schwab. It's a golf club, a tennis club, fitness. We have equestrian. We have shooting. We have fishing. All kind of the outdoors things that people want to escape from from other parts of the country, and they come to the Rocky Mountains to do that. About 350 members. 150 employees, maximum meal about 175 during the peak of the summer. And our season is really starting now through the end of September. So Steve, tell us um, what happened at your club and how did COVID-19 affect it? Well, despite the pandemic being in full force and and everything happening around the country. Um, Hamilton and the Ravalli County was pretty much isolated. There had only been one case of COVID in a large county. So there was really a, a false sense of security here in Hamilton. Um, about this time of year, we, we started gearing back up with our staff that are coming to work on the golf course, um, get ready for summer. And eight of them come from Mexico and Texas and a few other states and they were starting to arrive. Um, they got here a little ahead of most people and so these eight gentlemen that work on, on the golf course live together in a bunkhouse. It's a large bunkhouse just like you would picture it in the old western movies. It's pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, kind of cozy but rustic. Uh, we were doing the normal things um, of asking them questions in the morning, how everybody's feeling and taking temperatures and so forth. Now, I want to preface the fact that when these gentlemen came from out of the state, there was no quarantine for workers coming from out of the state. So we weren't required to put them in isolation for two weeks prior to them working. Um, what we did do was we kind of looked at them and talked to them, made sure everything was okay. And, and um, at that point, there was absolutely no signs of anyone being what have you when they first arrived. About seven days later, one of the gentlemen was not feeling well. Our screen process picked that up and we took him down to the emergency room in the, in the local hospital and had him tested. Now, the thing about the testing in a small town is as soon as he, he tested positive with a quick test, 
the entire town knew within 15 minutes. You're talking about a town of about 6,000 people, and it went through town like wildfire. I actually found out about this employee testing positive before I was contacted by the, the county. It got back to me through the, I call it the small town telegraph, you know, the coconut telegraph. So then, then yeah, that was, that was interesting. And it's really, it's what happens in small towns. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, then I get a call from the, the county health person who is the lead um, for the COVID-19 task force. And again, tells me that our guy tested positive. So I immediately shut down the club because I know what's coming next is he's living with seven other guys in this bunkhouse. I, I'm expecting the worst. So I don't even ask the board. I just shut the club down immediately as a, a precautionary measure. Now, the good thing is that I'm not in my season yet. So this couldn't really have happened at a better time. And also it couldn't have happened in a better situation where eight guys are living together, isolated, which really helped not spreading it any further. Moving along, the, the other seven gentlemen were sent down and tested. And, and the, the kind of the stressful part of this was the test results came back sporadic, two at a time, one at a time. Yeah. Well, of course, all, all eight of these guys test positive. Now, there's been one case in, of COVID in, in the county, so I just increased Man, the you volume. really counted the stats. <laughs> So that was big news for Montana, which was like number two, I think, next to Alaska of the least amount of cases in, in the country so far. And it immediately became a, a PR nightmare. Um, small towns just have a tendency to, um, you know, gossip and then and, and, mm -hmm. and make conjecture of what's going on. And then the rumors started. And they were the, the wildest things. I had flown down to Mexico and picked guys up in our private jet and I brought them back. And there was one person that was 10 years old because I hired children. And I mean, it, it was, and everybody knows I don't hire anybody, you know, under 12. That's just my, that's my cutoff. So, but it was, that was how silly it was. Wow. Jeez. So, uh, we're a couple of days into it and then I, I, I kind of get a call from the, or Valley County um, head of the health department who couldn't have been more wonderful person to work with. And we, we kind of go through all the process of what I'm going to have to do. And she kind of guides me through, which I'm telling you what, when, when you have a, a situation like this, you need somebody who's going to help you with all the, the, the legal aspects, the, the protocols, the processes you're doing, because one wrong protocol that I do could really mushroom into many, many, many more cases. So I got these eight gentlemen isolated. We're pretty good at that point. Now I have to deal with what that means. Um, everyone else on the golf course maintenance crew had to be quarantined. I have nobody to get my golf course ready at the most crucial part of getting ready for season. So um, I came up with the, the dream team. So I get all the rest of my staff together and say, hey, we're going to be a golf course maintenance crew because we don't have anybody else to do it. <laughs> and this, is, and this is literally going to be for at least two to three weeks of not having anybody else. Health department's going through their, their investigation. 
points of contact and all these things. Uh, fortunately, these, these gentlemen hadn't been into town and intermingled with a lot of people, except for one guy who had some family. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit later. So I got my dream team all geared up and everyone's got their assignments and the staff really came together and really helped get this golf course working. Otherwise, I'm, I'm in deep doo-doo for the rest of the season with a golf course that's not going to be in good shape. Um, going through that process now, the, the town is really getting upset. And I get called into a meeting with about 15 people from the Valley County. I've got the city manager, the sheriffs, the local PD, the chief of police, the health, the health uh, department people. The uh, oh, there was somebody from Missoula that was a higher person in another medical agency. So I get in there, and I'm, I'm expecting like two or three people, and I'm in a boardroom with with 15 people. And I go, okay, this is this is going to be fun. Um, so I, I kind of immediately figure out what I what I have to do here. I got to work with the, with the county and make sure everybody's happy with what we're doing. We we, we go through some questions, and then I kind of um, figure this is a great opportunity to help with relationships with the entire city and all the officials. And I'm, I'm thinking, don't let a, a good kind of pandemic go to waste. Let's let's maximize what we can do here. And I hate to say that, but I'd heard that, and I'm thinking this while I'm sitting there. Is there's got to be something positive that that comes uh, from all of this. So they say to me, look, the town is really getting out of whack here. You got to get out in front of this and, and take control and, and squelch the rumors. I said, okay, what would you like me to do? And someone says, well, a, a press release would probably be a good idea. Okay, um, I'll take that back and we'll discuss it and, and we'll see what we can do. So the first thing that I do is I get back and I'm, I, I, got, I have two presidents at my club, so I'm talking about the whole situation with them and what should we do? So we agreed that a press release was, was a positive thing. Now, small towns are very different. It's I have to work with everyone in town. I hire people from town. All my vendors are local people. And I'm, and I'm I already have people that don't want to come up the hill. We're kind of up the hill. And uh, uh, we're not coming up there to do deliveries. We're not coming to do that. Uh, everyone's got COVID. I heard you got COVID. Um, the, the rumors are just out of control. And during this meeting with, with all these officials, I, I asked, has there been any threats? Because this is, it was just a logical question for me to ask. And they told me of about three different threats that had been made. And, and I jokingly say, because I like to joke when I'm nervous. So I said to the, the sheriff, should I carry a big gun or should I carry a little gun? Now, this is Montana, right? Everybody has, right. has a gun. <laughs> and I'm a little concerned because some of the comments that were made were, they got my attention. And um, yeah. I inevitably hired a security guard, um, a local sheriff to man the gate because of these couple of threats that I received. But the sheriff says, no, you should carry one of each, a big gun and a small gun. <laughs> and, and I, and, and, and he's not joking with me. He, no. he said it in a very serious manner. And I'm going, okay, welcome to Montana. Um, 
again, and I hired security just as a precaution. And I'll tell you what, nothing ever happened at our gate. There was no problems with that. Okay. So we engaged a PR firm um, at the at a cost of $600 per hour. And it cost me $11,000 to write a one-page PR statement. Best money I've ever spent. I believe it. Oh. When you're trying to address something like this, there's so many things that are involved in that process. You've got all the HIPAA issues that you have to uh, maintain and protect people's privacy and so forth. And, and that carried over into the city officials as well. Um, we didn't want to compromise these eight gentlemen's privacy. Um, although the town already knew that most of them were Latino and of course the various rumors of whence they came. Getting that PR statement done took 48 hours. It went back and forth, back and forth. Um, of course, we had attorneys look at it to make sure that it was fine before it went out. And then there was a plan. We're going to release this press release, and we're also going to be very selective up to who we send it to. We didn't want it out on the on the on the main AP press wire start. We just wanted to kind of contain this within Montana, so to speak. So we selected uh, kind of the ones that were going to be read by the townspeople the most. Of course, the news agencies get a hold of it. And we selected the, the TV channel and the, um, the local newsman that handles these type of stories that we had seen on the, uh, the last few weeks. And he was a very nice guy. So I made contact with him. I said, okay, you're gonna be my, my point of contact for TV media. It was, it was really worked out well. He was a very nice man. Uh, he didn't put any spin on anything and he wanted to work with me. He just wanted to report the facts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's being part of Montana is just a little different approach. Yeah. But this was all this was all planned out and orchestrated. Um, I went, I did a lot of preparation with my PR guy of things to say, what not to say, words to use, what words not to use. It, there was a lot of crammed rehearsal into a very short period of time. Again. All worth it, all worth the money and time and effort that went into it. Press release goes out. Of course, the phone starts ringing. The emails start coming in. The TV stations start calling me. Um, I said I was only going to speak to one channel, um, and that worked out, again, well. And then the good things start happening. The local community starts responding to me with positive reinforcement, um, how can we help you? All the naysayers have, don't respond to you, right? It's only, they've already done their damage, so you're, you're getting all the positive comments. We had, of course, sent our press release to our membership. Couldn't have got more support from the membership. So everything kind of worked really well. Everything went according to the plan. We were up front. We didn't hide anything, but we were forthright in our approach. So to that point, it worked really well. I'll let you ask me a question at this point. <laughs> Absolutely, no, that was I was a gonna, very thorough story. Was, I was going to say I was I was that I, a it was riveting, and I was on the edge of my seat for it. But um, you know, I think I think you hit all the the points, and that that was actually going to be you know one of the questions that we tackled was just you know 
we we think of COVID so much in, in very urban areas and, and being in a small town and you, you talk about the, the diff differences of, of dealing with this kind of issue at that local level, but also making sure that you're maintaining that those ties with your community and and your city councilmen and your legislators and all of those people and all the health contacts, all the people that are involved in this process and really how much, you know, your club is, is part of that community, um, you know. Part of, part of what we had done prior to us having this, these positive cases was we donated $12,000 from the club to the city of Hamilton because all the businesses that were closed down. Um, mm -hmm. Also another uh, anonymous donation to the, the local hospital of 25,000 that came from one of our members. So we had already been showing great support uh, for the community. But the average person just is not aware of that. And they're just, they just think that the rich guys on the hill are going to kill them all because they brought in all these people from across the country that brought, you know, brought the plague to Hamilton. So the, that was kind of the, the bad part of it. And yeah, to this day, we're, we're, we're also in the midst of recruiting for all of our summer staff. And a lot of our summer staff are like 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old kids that, um, Mom and dad said, you're not going to work at the stock farm because they got the COVID up there. <laughs> That's how they, they phrase it. You got I the know. COVID. <laughs> the yep. COVID. Yep. And we had several of the, the kids that we were going to hire that said, hey, my, my parents won't let me come up there because everyone's got COVID. And we're still rebounding from the lack of employees that we had a, a limited pool already. Now we have even a much more limited pool. Okay, I think we're down to question six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you're you're awesome. So, Steve, you know, given given your decades of experience in club management, and and obviously we we've seen all sorts of issues um, and crises pop up over time. Whether we 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 touched it a little bit talking about wildfires in California and. Um, you know, and we have so many folks who deal with hurricanes and, and all of that. You know, this is such a different kind of crisis. You know, we know for most of our members, this situation is not a matter of, of if, but it's a matter of when this happens. Um, you know, whether you know, ha having a crisis at your facility. So what is the advice that you would give to other managers as they deal with this? Well, initially, you have to remain calm. Um, getting excited or uh, stressed out over it is not going to help anything. So just remain calm, take a deep breath, um, take it all in and, and think about what you're going to do. You know, check your facts before you do anything. Um, getting bad information is, is not a good thing. So the old fact check thing has to be done in advance before you act. You need to act quickly when possible. Um, don't procrastinate, put things off. You need to address things as, as quickly as possible and, and get things handled quickly. Um, utilize your resources, um, city officials, different agencies, um, health agencies, um, anything that's related to the problem that you're dealing with. And uh, what I did, my first call was actually to Jeff Morgan at CMAA. You know, I called Jeff. I said, hey, I got this problem. Um, can you put me in contact with anybody else that can give me a little bit of information? And uh, he said, yeah, you need to call Randy Reuter. So uh, what better to call them, you know, our leader from the last year. So I called Randy and, and he gave me his insight with, that he dealt with and that helped me a lot. 
So there's lots of general managers and other people in CMAA you can call as part of your resource group. Um, as the uh, appointed spokesperson for your club or lead person, uh, you need to take control and lead. Uh, so if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Um, a lot of people don't want to handle these things, and that becomes incumbent upon us as the general managers to do that. So you have to approach it with a, I am the leader, I'm going to take control of this and guide us through. Uh, you need to share your information with your staff as much as possible. Um, you need to have their support. They need to know what's going on so that they, they can kind of back you up uh, as necessary. Um, I know you can't tell them everything at times, but uh, keeping them as informed as much as possible is very, is very, very important. Um, keep your membership informed, or they're going to inform you. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, there are no secrets in private clubs, and private clubs uh, – communicate with each other from a membership perspective because they're all interlinked. Mm -hmm. um, during this during this whole thing, I was receiving everybody else's notices to their memberships. Hey, Steve, this is what our club is doing over here, etc. So keep your membership informed because they will tell you what you're not telling them. <laughs> and then, of course, the rumor, the rumor mill will make it into something that it's not. So accurate information to your membership is very important. Absolutely. Uh, and when you're communicating, you need to be honest, you need to be thoughtful, you need to be sincere and transparent because people will see through any of those things that you're not doing. Um, and that's just the approach that you have to take. And in this case, it, it was very much a human issue. Um, you know, there's lots of issues that are not human related, but this is about people. Mm -hmm. And you have to treat it with empathy, kindness, um, positiveness. And just remember that you're dealing with human lives here and try to be as much of a human as possible when you're approaching it. It's not, it's not business decisions. These are people that you're, you're making decisions about and how you're going to treat people, both those affected and those that are, are coming back to your club. Always remember that this is a human issue. Absolutely. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're going to make comments or you're going to do any public speaking or talking to the press, you have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. um, you you have to know what you you're going to say, and um, I used to utilize the PR firm to help me with my press release and to help coach me through interviews and what to say, what not to say. Um, it's amazing the insight that they can provide you with, and they've dealt with the press in these situations before. And you know, just one tip can save you know, your reputation really quickly as, as what not to do. <laughs> you have to thank those who helped you. Um, I had a lot of support from the local community and other people, and I made sure that I brought them a basket with some goodies from the club and just to say thank you. And that goes a long way because there will be another problem at some point, and you're going to need those resources again and just show them how much you appreciated what they did for you. Now, during this whole process, you have your family at home, and it can be a little bit stressful for your family because it impacts them as well. Uh, so you need to take care of your own family and, and keep them assured that everything is okay. Uh, inform your spouse of what's going on. This is what I'm doing. Um, in our case, a small community, uh, we had neighbors calling us because my name was all over the press. Um, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and I actually spoke to my immediate neighbors to say, hey, you know, uh, this is what's happening. Um, uh, I have tested negative, so I'm, <laughs> I'm safe. 
but you know, we have a six year old and there's other kids in the neighborhood and, Absolutely. and part of your family life will get impacted. And we had a few families that said, Hey, you know, we're not going to come over and let the kids play until this thing blows over. And they were super nice about it. And I was totally understanding mm-hmm. about what was going on, but you got to take care of your family. It's amazing what kids, you know, young kids know. That's and true. my six-year-old, my six-year-old kept saying, "Well, we're going to do that when the when the coronavirus is over, right, Dad?" <laughs> right. I They're mean, very perceptive. Oh, amazing! It just it was amazing how much my six-year-old knew what was going on. He hears everything. Uh huh. Um, kind of wrapping up this portion is is that you have to expect the unexpected there are things that will happen that you're going to go, wow, I didn't see that coming at all. So you just, again, you remain calm and you deal with each situation as it pops up, but there are offshoots of these things that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You think you've got it down one lane and then there's three more lanes that branch off of what the problem that you're dealing with is. So you have to expect things that are are not expected. Finally, be strong, be confident, and be humble because as a leader, people are looking at you under the microscope and you have to present yourself, you know, as a strong person, a confident person, but yet be humble about it at the same time. And that's what I would recommend to other general managers and managers. I think that's a lot of excellent advice. I think that anybody could take like 16 things out of that and, <laughs> and move forward and feel very prepared to deal with a crisis. Steve, what surprised you about this situation? That it happened to me in a very safe place. Um, you know, again, we had that false sense of security. Um, what I was more concerned with was members who were coming from out of state. And again, there were things in place that um, if you were coming into Montana for work, you didn't have to quarantine. If you were conducting business, you didn't have to quarantine. I figured it was going to come from one of my members. If it did come from California, because that was the major part of our membership comes from California. So that was one of the most major surprises that happened to me. Um, The big surprise was the main problem wasn't so much the health aspect, it was the political aspect of it. Um, And as you you start talking about this and how people are helping you, uh, you will hear things like, uh, well, that person is on a re-election year, so he's trying to do what he's trying to do with this situation and spin it that way. And the political aspect of this went all the way to the governor's office. Um, in one statement, we thanked the, the governor of Montana for their directory, the direct direction and assistance, got chastised for that. How could you support this, this governor? Um, and this is coming from my members. So the, the, the politics really played into it. And then and every time I'm speaking to somebody, I'm careful about what I'm saying about the other person because, because it was very political. Um, that really surprised me how, how I had to manage the politics more so than almost the health problem. Again, I was, I was very surprised by the lack of empathy by the town. Um, this was a human situation. Um, and they just were not having any part of that. It was the rich guys on the hill that brought COVID to our town, and they're all going to kill us. I was very surprised by that because this town is so nice. Uh, everyone is so nice. 
everywhere you go, people are super nice. And then I saw the kind of the, I'm not going to call it the dark side, but I saw the other side of what it could be. Now, I will tell you that taking care of, of eight guys, I was the caregiver because nobody else would go near them. I was literally cashing their checks at the bank, sending money by Western Union to their families. We were getting their groceries. And everyone that I dealt with in town, um, our banker, uh, the banker couldn't have been nicer. She helped me in ways I can't even describe. Anything you need, Steve, just let me know. I cashed thousands of dollars of checks with those signatures on them from these guys. I sent. I went to the local Western Union. I've never done a Western Union money transfer in my life. So I go into Albertsons and I got my hand over my logo, you know, walking around. And I go up to the Western Union, and the the gal looks at me and she says, uh, "You're from the stock farm, aren't you?" I hadn't even said a word. You know, I said, "Yeah, I am." I said, um, "She says, how can I help you?" She goes, "You're here to send money for those guys that send money back to Mexico." I said, "Yeah." She goes. I know those guys, whatever I can do to make this easier for you, you just let me know. She took such good care of us. I sent all those people baskets of wine and cookies and shirts and everything to say thank you because it was so important that I did take care of them. Okay. Uh, I was very surprised at the amount of member support that we received. Um, after I sent out the initial press release, I got a huge amount of support. Um, to this day, everyone who's walking in the door saying how well we handled it and thank you for doing that for us. And it really lessened the fear that they had um, because there was a lot of people that were afraid to come back to the club, but we were able to explain everything to them and they were very thankful for that. Um, I was very surprised at the lack of knowledge by the eight gentlemen that had the COVID-19. They had no idea what it was. They didn't know what it meant. Um, there's one Spanish interpreter in this town, and fortunately, she works for me. So I had this. I used her through the governor's office. I used her through the hospital in, in Missoula. There's not a lot of Spanish-speaking people in in Hamilton or Montana, for that fact. Yeah. Uh, so we explained everything to these these gentlemen, and you could just see the. You can see the astonishment in their eyes of what was going on. And, and I don't think to this day they realize the, the impact that they could have had. Uh, we still don't know where it came from, which one of these guys brought it in. Um, doesn't matter. It, it does a little bit, but to them it didn't matter. Is They just wanted to make sure that they were going to be okay and I was going to bring them more food. That was Priorities. Eight men can eat a lot of food in three weeks, I'll tell you. I believe that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was surprised that when I did get in contact with media that they were very favorable. Now, there, there was some strategy in who we spoke to, so um, that was important, but I, I was very well received and nobody put a spin on anything I said. And uh, I, I remained friends with this one uh, uh, news broadcaster. And, um, he's going to come down and see the club because he had never been here before. So. Again, I'm, you're kind of working the angles a little bit of to what's going to happen in the future, um, how I can get good press coverage when I need it for other things that happen in the club. Um, I, they were not aware of the amount of money that is, goes into the community from our club. Um, I'm on the board for the Greater Valley Foundation, and there's like $3 million in this foundation, and it all goes to people that live in Valley County. 
from scholarships to um, grants to different charities. So there's a, there's a lot of involvement within the community as well, positive involvement. Um, kind of an offshoot of this of this whole thing was, and this it added to my credibility as a as a manager. I've only been here ten months when this happened. It put me in a much better place within the community with the high city officials. I've since developed a relationship with the mayor. We're going to do a large golf tournament to thank all the first responders within the community. We got that going. But just within my own membership and at my board level is that um, it added to my credibility as their manager because um, I was very lucky everything went away. It should have gone, uh, but it easily could have gone the other way as well. But um, I was I was very surprised that I, I received this much recognition for the job that I did that I received, and I'm I'm grateful for that. But we always have a tendency to go on the defensive when these things happen, and taking that position probably would have done us greater harm than good. Um, I was very surprised that my my dream team the, of 30 people that uh, from dishwashers to waitresses to to cooks, to the everybody just got on a on a mower and cut grass and picked up things and got the golf course in great shape. Um, I was very surprised at the the team camaraderie that we grew. So that was great for our our internal team building as well. And that's what surprised me the most. I was going to say I think I, I think I'm blown away I with all the blown away with all the of what you've touched just with you know one crisis how it impacted your community how it impacted your club your members and how ultimately you know it put you all of your management and leadership skills on display you know from a situation that certainly could have gone in a much different direction no i will tell you that um I've been through things like this before, but never from a health perspective where I've been on the media before for things that have happened, but this is a different aspect. And even through CMAA, uh, I, I mean, remember, was it last year or the year before, Joe Furlow did his piece on, the, you know, the tragedy that happened at the, the Magic Castle. And I'm actually sitting there when you're, when you're going through all this and I'm thinking about, okay, what did I remember learning from, from Joe when he was talking about what he did? and so forth. So I was able to draw on my CMA education really to help me through this. There's no question. Um, I knew what not to do, I guess was the most important thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Could, couldn't capture a better commercial for CMA education, Steve, thank you. But that, that is a God honest truth. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's and we hope so much, you know, as, as we've talked to, to managers throughout this and and dealing with different facets, whether it's within their club, within dealing with employees or just, you know, dealing with their own circumstances at the time, um, you know, that they've leaned on each other and on CMA to, to get that information. And I know this episode is going to be especially valuable for them to uh, get more resources and to understand. So we really appreciate you sharing your willingness to share all of that with us. Total transparency. I love it. That might, wait a minute, that might be our episode name. You got it. You got it. Total transparency. I love it. Well, and, and there, there needs to be more of that amongst managers because there's so many other things that, that we go through in our careers 
Um, you know, th this is a stressful job at, at many times and keeping it inside of everybody is not the way to deal with it. You need to share your experiences and, and mentor other people because it's going to happen to you sooner or later. It's just a matter of time. Very wise words. <laughs> thank you so much, Steve. We yeah, appreciate thank you, it. Steve. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.